Hello, uh, this is Jade Hoy from the Back to Back podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us this Thursday for the Nerd of She Wrote pod with Dave Dufour and Coach David Thorpe. I got Dave with me here. Uh, how'd the show go today, Dave? A uh, little little two-man game, pick and pop with me and Coach Thorpe talking NBA defense. And uh, we've got some surprising thoughts, at least to Jade, about Jaron Jackson. Before we begin, I want to tell you a little bit about The Athletic. Uh, subscription-based publisher, smarter sports coverage for the diehard fans. All my friends are there. Ethan Strauss, um, Marcus Thompson, Sam Amick. What's up, my man? Uh, the model is simple. No ads, no pop-ups, and no autoplay videos. Readers subscribe for authentic, in-depth coverage written by journalists who know the teams inside and out. Um, they're publishing somewhere between 650 and 700 news stories every week. They they were at the forefront of a lot of this Markel Fultz coverage. Uh, the, the link, go to theathletic.com slash back to back. That's the number two. So it's back, the number two, back, all lowercase. And get 40% off your subscription. I don't know how you can be a sports fan and not have a subscription already. You probably do. Go ahead and renew. I think the link works for that. Hello and welcome to the Back to Back Podcast Thursday show, Nerder She Wrote. I am Dave DeFore, your host. Joining me as always... Coach David Thorpe, Coach, uh, people have been clamoring to to know this uh, the answer to this question. How many tank tops do you actually own? God, it better not be one. It better not be one. This is a real question that people have asked me on numerous occasions to ask you. I think it's hilarious. So how uh, many? Yeah. You had to put a number. I I, I have. I, I can count them. It's not many. I have. My freshman year in college tank top that I is is barely alive that I bought in the fall of 1983 before you guys were born. Um, I was 81. Were you really? Yeah. Jeez. I was, I was only half kidding. Um, so I, I found that in a drawer like 10 years ago. I'm like, you know what? I can, I think I can still wear this. Um, and I have, you know, both mostly I just, they're just workout. I probably have five or six of some okay. body of tank top or, or shoulder sleeve just cause when I, in the summer here, it's hot. Yeah. I work out every day. I work out six days a week, 52 weeks a year. No, no exceptions. And I work. Uh, yeah. It's miserable in Florida during the summer. I don't know how people do Where it. Where isn't it miserable? I, people always say that I've been in New York and DC and Carolina, oh, yeah. Tel Aviv and Istanbul and Mexico city. It's hot everywhere in the summer. Actually. I mean, you got to go North. That That's, that's really all it is. If I've you're, been, listen, we, so I did that when our kids were younger, we, we traveled with, um, my brother's, and their, and their two wives and their five kids. So we had a band of 13 to, and we always went to uh, Beaver Creek and uh, Steamboat Springs or Vermont or Montreblanc, uh, 90 minutes north of Montreal and to ski resorts. But in the summertime, you know, you're not skiing, right. but you're, you're, you know, canoeing and you're whitewater rafting, whatever, man, it was hot everywhere. It wasn't quite as humid as right. it was here, but it wasn't anything amazing. I mean, obviously it's humid here. Right. The humidity uh, is the killer. Yeah. You know? yeah, but, I, uh, but I remember going to Vegas. I've only missed maybe three summer leagues in since 2004. Uh, no, no. Since when Udonis was a rookie, it was my first one. So 2003. Um, and I think that I've walked out of the, uh, the convocation center there, UNLV, you know, at 11 o'clock at night 
and and you feel like you're walking into a sauna and uh, a dry sauna, whereas you come out of uh, Florida at that hour and it's a wet sauna. Right. I, I prefer the humidity. I like. Oh, uh, see, I prefer the dry. Yeah, everyone prefers it. I like I like sweating. Um, that's why I wear tank tops. <laughs> There's less cloth to soak up the sweat. I have a rule about sweating where if I'm sweating, I have to be doing something. So if I'm working out and I'm sweating, that's great. But if I'm just like with you on that, yeah, standing outside, why I work out six days a week, six weeks a year. Uh, I, when I travel up North and it's cold, I have to be in a, in a room where, you know, where the fitness center is. That's just, I mean, I'll do it, but it's not the same. I I like, uh, I like being outdoors and I, I try to, I have a, I have a membership to a gym here and unless it's pouring rain and lightning, I'm walking outside. I'll, I'll go to the gym only if it's lightning uh, or just on occasion, it's really cold, uh, which is, you know, three times a year. Right. Uh, well, all right. So let's, let's talk some basketball. Um, I want to, I want to start with this AI thing because I, okay. I want to make sure we get to it. Um, uh, Allen Iverson wrote something for the players tribune and it, it's one of the best ones of those that I've read because you could actually hear his voice in the writing. It, it, it was pretty clear. I mean, I'm sure he worked with someone yeah. to write it because I'm I think that's just their process there. But yeah. it is very much in his voice. And I grew up in central Virginia. I was right down the road from Newport News as a kid. This is pre-internet, right? So you hear stories about this guy, Alan Iverson. This is before he got to Georgetown. Um, it's sort of like uh, you would hear stories about uh, Sham God when I was, yeah. when I was young, right? Like how did that get from New York to Virginia without the internet? But, uh, if you haven't read this, uh, at the time you're listening to this, go read it. It's fantastic. It's good. Um, but I sent it to you to make sure you read it. And you said you have a great AI story and I've got to hear it because he's one of my favorites of all time. I told this before on a, a probably a true podcast or video a while ago. Uh, when he was at Georgetown, he was selected to play with Lon Kruger's world university team that was playing, I want to say, in Japan later that, like maybe in September of that year. And Lon Kruger was a real mentor to me. They're, his starting center for the Gators played four years of high school with me, Dimitri Hill, and was an alternate on that team. Chuck Yakins, who grew up near us and played at USF, was on the team. It's the best under, you know, non-team USA team in probably in history. Tim Duncan was their center. Lorenzen Wright was their backup forward, Austin Crozier. Uh, Ray Allen was their uh, three. Kerry Kittles was their two. Cameron Dollars played with Cameron Dollar from UCLA, who won a national championship, played with Chucky. AI was their one. Uh, I, I, Jared Haas, who's now a coach, a Kansas shooting guard, was on the team. Charles O'Bannon was on the team from UCLA. It was loaded. Wow. wow. So Lon invited me to practice for the week. And Tim Duncan was maybe their third or fourth best player. He, he was good. He was good. AI blew me away for one reason. So they were doing, they were working on their half court game and Allen was on defense. Typically the starters typically start off on defense and uh, it'd be one possession only no break. So just really locking in, getting the terminology, right? Lon was a great, is still a great defensive coach. And uh, so Chucky was the backup would check, would check it with AI. Now I've been, I played a million games uh, growing up playing pickup, right? I've been I had been coaching for a long time, and typically saw that before we started action in a lot of our practices. And normally, if you're the point guard, you get the ball on defense. You you say, all right, here we go, and then you give it back to the guy who has got the ball, and then you play. That's not what AI did. Chucky gave the ball to AI, 
This is every single time, by the way, not one time, every time. He would turn around. He would scream at his team. Let's fucking lock up, boys. Let's D up. Let's go. We're going to do this. Let's go. And he would slam the ball down hard with two hands and then grab it and then give it to Chucky, not not like a jerk, and then guard the fuck out of him. <laughs> and I've never forgotten that because that's exactly what I've always asked my players to do from that point forward is when you when he gives you the ball, turn around and make sure your defense is set and and lock in and make it a great possession. But you guys doing your job, you're helping our offense too in practice. So I, I always think about that. You know, the famous saying, you're talking about practice, talking about practice. You know, that's when he was a superstar and he was, a, he was, a, he was, he kind of played into his image a little bit, which the article mentions, I think, to some degree. He was aware of his celebrity. But, but back then, not, not at all. Yeah. He was just a fucking baller. The other thing I remember is he couldn't dribble at all. Right. But he was so much quicker than everyone, it didn't matter. So he he was misdribbling all over the play. By the way, Chucky Atkins, boy, we played ten years in the NBA. Yeah, super super quick guard, all over AI. And Cameron was a, a tough guard from Georgia, uh, who wasn't as quick but very tough minded. And AI misdribbled it all over the place, but it, he didn't lose it. It was astounding to me. I started teaching. I don't really teach two ball dribbling anymore, but I started to because I wanted my players to be able to recover. If two ball dribbles, you tend to miss dribble more than with one ball. Right. I wanted them to develop the ability to recover the dribble the way AI did. I it just I learned they, they just he was just quicker than everyone. So okay, in, yeah. in the pros, he got to be a better ball handler. And it may also have been that he just had not been practicing for a couple weeks when I saw him. Yeah. Uh, but his talent as an athlete and his competitiveness, uh, and it, he completely unselfish guy. Like no one. If I had time warped fans from 10 years in the future to come watch that, they would have not believed it was AI. He just had a huge heart, competed his rear end off. I was, I thought, the most talented player on the court. I mean, I thought Tim Duncan was a Hall of Fame player, but it wasn't like he dominated anything the way he eventually started. He was still at Wake Forest then. Ray Allen was really good. So was Kerry Kittles. And that, was, and they, that team won every game by a million points, too. They were amazing in Japan. Yeah. Uh, and AI was, he was a ridiculous football player. Only for one year. Right. <laughs> and yeah. like, he was just one of, one of the best athletes yeah. possibly in NBA history, but he's small, right? It's the kind of the same thing we see with Steph Curry, where the small guys just don't get as much respect. He's just way um, quicker. Like there's yeah. no, as, as, as gifted as an athlete, Steph Curry is for a, lo- a lot of ways that we measure athleticism. There is no comparison. I, I tell you where there's a comparison to AI. He mentions his name in the article. Uh, I went to college with Vernon Maxwell. Oh, yeah. I'm, I was high school class of 83. I went to his games his senior year of high school at Gainesville Buholtz, playing for a, a deceased friend of mine named Rick Swain. And I went to go see him because we knew he was coming to Florida. He was one of the most athletic guards I've ever seen in my life as quick athletic and strong. He was a psychopath. I think he's in jail now. I think AI love that about him. Yeah, you could look it up. He's been yeah, in jail I gotta, now. I got to do that. He, he wasn't a very nice person. One of my best friends in the world was a teammate of his on that team. Uh, but in terms of pure athleticism and warrior toughness, uh, Vernon Maxwell was a 6'4 version of AI. 
Yeah, I think he he might actually be in jail. I don't know. He, he definitely uh, been in jail a lot. I'll give you a great right. Vernon Maxwell stat. He broke the all-time record set by a player named Pete Maravich for most consecutive games scoring in double figures in college. He no longer holds that record because I think he signed with an agent or got paid. You know, he, he was he was a punk. He really was. Yeah. And, he, and he, not because he took money from an agent, by the way. Right. He was a punk for other reasons. But when you're a punk, they tend to go after you. The NCAA loves to do that. And so that they, they cleaned out his records because this is what they do, right? When you get paid by an age, all the other kids who got paid, nothing happens. Right. But, but in terms of a college player, like he could not be stopped as an athlete. And I think he won two rings with a yeah, rock. With Houston. With yeah, Smith. yeah. He was great. Those two guys were amazing. Yeah. All right. So now to, to things that are happening right now, and th- I think that this show, we're probably going to talk a lot about defense. So hopefully we don't bore everyone to tears. I know that it's rare these days to have a, a huge conversation about defense because of all the rule changes and the scoring and the pace. But you and I were texting last night and the teams that we were talking about are all doing very well defensively. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder right now are Number defending one. their asses off. Yeah. Somehow, without Andre Robertson, which was an issue for them last year, they couldn't defend when he wasn't on the court. And after he got hurt, they really fell off. But they figured things out. And I've been someone who has harped on Russell Westbrook's defense for, I don't know, five years. This is the best I've seen him look. He's locked in on just about every possession. I mean, yes, he's still going to go for rebounds. But I, I actually believe Billy Donovan when they say that that's a function of what they want to do defensively. Um, but he has been great. What are you seeing out of their defense? Like, how are they, how have they figured it out without Robertson? Because I mean, they're, they're playing a defensive uh, inferior guys with Ferguson or Abrinas or someone like that. But is it all Steven Adams and Paul George and Russell and Russell? Oh, oh yeah. and Jeremy Grant and Jeremy Grant. There you go. So, so yeah, let's, let's start with Adams though, because I think that the, a common thread between what I think are the two best defensive teams. If you forget about what's happened since October 16th, right now, the two best defensive teams, I would argue, and, and projecting forward is Oklahoma city and Memphis. And they have men in the middle that understand how to play. It, there's different levels of it. Adams, more athletic, more versatile, more agile. Uh, so, brutishly strong that he occupies space in there. And and when you build your defense in this league, you don't build it from the outside in the talent's too good. I think there's leagues around the world where you can really extend your defense and not worry so much for getting blitz at the rim because the finishers just aren't that great. That, that league isn't this league, right? This league is going to destroy you in the paint. If you just devote all your resources to the perimeter, you've got to have the monster guy inside uh, with some exceptions, Boston kind of does it with smoke and mirrors in a, in a great way. Uh, the Spurs were the Celtics with Tim Duncan. Uh, oh, and now they have Gasol is not quite the same. Uh, but but normally you need that gigantic man. Adams is I noticed this last year watching Oklahoma City play a lot. He, he's really a special talent, special, special talent. And I thought Jeremy Grant, I thought he was a first round talent coming out. Uh, I would, you would, Jeremy Grant's been in the league six years. You would think he's 28 years old. He's 24. He, they finally put him in a starting lineup. I think he's helped solidify it. He's crazy athletic. He goes to get everything. 
Uh, I had a general manager once tell me, I asked what they thought of him. And he said, he's the, young, he's the kind of young man that you want your daughter to bring home to marry. Wow. Like he's that special of, I, as I don't speak as a dad with a daughter. I, that means a lot to me. I, I don't know who she'd bring home one day, but I want it to be someone that I respect and trust will take care of my little girl. This GM was suggesting that Jeremy Grant will, is that guy. And so totally selfless. I think he fits that team perfectly. And then, like you said, uh, they have holes on the wing with, uh, with Abrinas and Ferguson. I, I think, I wish they had brought Corey Brewer back. And that's, there's last, I know some stories behind the scenes there, uh, just as a backup to, to, I thought would be Andre, but Russell just following their rules with Paul and Jeremy and Steven, and let's give Billy credit. But, you know, the Gators were good defensive teams under Billy Donovan. He knows how to coach defense. Uh, I give them, I give him a lot of credit, and I give Russell a lot of credit for evolving, getting yeah. better. And they're they're legit top two team now in the West playing this way. And and the thing with Russ, and it was frustrating to watch. I mean, you know this, like the whole coach's eye thing happens, right? You're like, this guy, there's no reason that this guy isn't an elite defender. Right. He and John Wall should be both he and John Wall should be elite defenders. Russell Westbrook has he has great basketball IQ. He is clear. I mean, he's clearly one of the best athletes in the league and possibly he's the best the athlete. History. He's the best athlete to ever play that position in the history of basketball. There you go. And, and you see all this stuff and, and you, you know, you realize, okay, a lot of this was numbers chasing, you know, and and that's a lot of media, the media kind of drives that stuff. Um, but you're seeing this year, he's actually now able to, to play good team defense and still get those numbers. And this is why like that trip, that first triple double season was so empty to me because his defense, I mean, it clearly just wasn't happening. And I'm not going to say he wasn't playing hard or any of those things. He, he, there was a concerted effort. He would leave his man. He would constantly be out of position to get rebounds. And they made up this whole thing where it was like, Oh, it was about getting the ball and getting in transition. Like an outlet pass just doesn't exist anymore. You know, like, like Steven <laughs> Adams can't grab a rebound and throw an outlet. So, right. um, yeah, it, it, that's been really good for me to see because I like Russ is one of my favorite players to watch just from an entertainment standpoint. Now, good Russ on offense is one thing, and bad Russ is a whole another thing. But either way, it's a and, show. And there's still there's still some bad Russ, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We still we still have some issues. Um, you know, usage rate is always at the top. He, he, the ball's in his hands a ton. His shots. You know, he's still not a very good shooter. No, uh, and that's an issue. But uh, he's collectively they're no longer negatively impacted. I think by by a lot that he's doing. Uh, whereas I think sometimes they were before. We'll see if this continues, right? Yeah. Let's see if it continues, but uh, they're in a good place right now. They really are. Well, last night was an instance where he wasn't shooting well. He was two of nine from three, and, but Paul George had 47 points. And, and you know, that's, I don't think that's what they envisioned when they brought Paul George in. Like, you know, a lot of people said, oh, he got the new KD. Well, Paul George is not KD. No. But it's clear that having that guy next to him and remember, Paul George was hurt for a lot of last year that he just played through it. The knee, the shoulder, it affected his shot quite a bit. Healthy Paul George is looking really good and and should potentially be in defensive player of the year conversations right now. In the conversation, I would agree. Uh, he's 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 a really spectacular defensive player. There's only one guy that can win that award, in my opinion, right now. But 
we have a long way to go and things can change. Mark Gasol, to me, is is um, what he's doing in the league right now is incredible. He, he's amazing. He well, should be studied. They, I agree. I agree. And speaking of studying him, uh, I was looking at their numbers because so they've got currently they've got the fourth best defense overall. Uh, this is by defensive rating. They're 14 and nine. This is a team that no one thought would win 30 games. I mean, there were people just saying, well, there's just no way Gasol is over the hill. And and to be fair, the last couple seasons, he was dealing with some injuries, but he did look like he was on the decline. Yep. Not a great athlete. I don't know how he does what he does, but he's been incredible. He's shooting over 40% from three. He's their best three point shooter. I think with Gasol, you almost not just defensive player of the year. You almost have to start talking about him as MVP candidate. If they can, if they, I think here's what I think. Uh, I talk about a team's elasticity, right? Where, where can, where can we stretch them to Cleveland for four years had tremendous elasticity only because LeBron can just be so much better when it mattered. Uh, but most teams have it. Because uh, younger players can get much better over time, right? With this, Gasol can get worse, and that's a that negatively impacts Memphis's elasticity. Conley the same way. Uh, Jaron Jackson is barely helping the team right now as a team. He he's he's remember Kevin Durant was negative plus minus I think for like three years, okay, and still being an All Star for two of them I believe. Uh, Jackson is just average now, collectively playing with the group. He's 19 years old. He's going to get so much better, maybe even by April. And yeah. if that, if that March and April, he starts figuring some stuff out and adding Joakim knows we'll talk about him. Sure. Will only help yeah. not just Jackson, but the team. Then all of a sudden Memphis can be a top three team. And I happen to think they have wing issues also. Um, and then if they're that, Casal won't get MVP because his numbers, his raw numbers won't be high enough. Sure. But to smart people, though, yeah, he's as valuable as anyone uh, because not only is he the fulcrum of their defense, he's the fulcrum of their offense with Mike to some degree. Yeah, and Jaron Jackson is actually plus nine in in uh, in his minutes on the court, which is is rare for a rookie to be a positive contributor like that. I'm um, in. Uh, I look, I didn't see that on cleaning the glass. I saw something different. Oh, what? Okay. So I was looking at basketball reference, just offensive rating to defensive rating. Oh, oh, I, oh, no, Plus no. Nine. I was looking yeah. at the, um, on, off, on court, off court. I uh, gotcha. Uh, uh, and it's, it was just maybe, maybe plus 0. 0.6. Okay. Uh, yeah. All the defensive rating. I, I look at that too. Yeah. No, no, no. He definitely, they're definitely better when he's on the court offensively and better when he's on the court defensively. It just hasn't translated to the overall adjusted right. plus minus of the groups. And he's, but, He's doing stuff that that we haven't seen out of a rookie big man. Uh, I mean, he it's like Shaq. He's a Hall of Famer. Jer- yeah, uh, he's he's the best in class, in my opinion. I'm gonna do Memphis radio later today. Best he's, big or best player? He, he's the best player. He's going to be the best player in this draft. I don't really care uh, who's the best now. What does it matter? Right, year one. Right. He's going to be the best player in this class. Uh, he's going to be he's going to be the most important player in Memphis history because what he's going to be able to do is is this team was sinking and even if this this team is doing okay this year where's the incentive for those those two guys to stay right if they draft poorly like they have in 
many drafts. But with this guy, and you're Conley, and by the way, he seemed like, and I've not asked anyone in Memphis about it, I think they would have told me, he seemed like a terrific young man. He's, he's awesome. He's that, fantastic. That's what, okay, that's what it seems yeah. like. So if you're Conley and Gasol, and you realize our coach is just, I mean, he's just okay. JB's never been anything special to me. I still don't think that he is. They, they have holes in their roster. But if they can play another five years with this guy, right? I think they're. I now I get a reason why they might, whereas otherwise there's no way they stay. So I think he's going to end up elongating the window to win with those guys. And if if anyone can attract someone to go to Memphis as a free agent, it's going to be the best overall big in the league. And Embiid in Philly has an argument. There's you know there's a few other guys. Aiton in Phoenix has got a lot of talent. Jaron Jack, uh, he's so talented. I could see a Paul George level player, not yeah. A plus, but A, wanting to go play with him. And that's all Memphis will need because he's good enough to make everyone up. He's Tim Duncan 2.0. I, I was going to say he's Tim Duncan. He, he has Duncan such great feel. You know, they talk about like his, his blocks are not athletic blocks. They're timed blocks. And he's going to figure out. Right. Timing that. and. Yep. What I've been saying is. He, uh, his timing is great. I'm glad you said that, but I studied Duncan and then I studied Jackson a couple of weeks ago and the economy of movement defensively is so important. What you don't want to do. And I have been coached lots of young players. Uh, I, and to this day, I still deal with this. Uh, you don't want your players on defense to be puppy dogs right. bouncing around when you're two feet are in the air, they can't slide. You need to have one foot on the ground all the time. And you'd rather take one step if you can, instead of two. Because if you take two, one of them probably in the wrong direction. His economy of movement is like an old veteran. He's yeah. not rushing when he shouldn't rush. A lot of players are too quick for their own good. When, when you see a lot of these guys falling over, very often they're really quick guys. They're racing to a spot, and now you got to change the direction, and the inertia is going too far the other way. So Jack Jackson is poised in his defensive movements. The angles that he takes are precise. Do you, do you watch football at all? Not anymore, but I used to be a real nut for football. Famous so yeah, I know football. So I did this the other day just for this exact reason. I grew up in college right before we got a running back at Florida by the name of Emmett Smith. Greatest, okay. in my opinion, greatest running back of all time for high school and for the NFL. I am, of course, the leading rusher ever. So do me, do me a favor. When you're done, Dave, at some point, YouTube Emmett Smith, Florida Gator or Dallas Cowboy, you can do both. And you're going to see him make moves. For First of all, he was quick and powerful and all that. But he'll make moves at the line of scrimmage that don't make any sense because there was no one that he was – he was already wide open. And then you realize 30 yards down the field, he did it because the other guy would have had an angle 30 yards down the field except for the angle Emmett took. That, that is a gift. Right. That, that is a sheer talent. Uh, they used to say about Emmett Smith in high school – First of all, there were very famous scouts who predicted he'd be a bomb at, at Florida, even though he's an all-time leading rusher in the history of high school at the time, in a state like Florida, by the way, right, like yeah. 800 yards. And many times he didn't play after halftime because his team was up so many points. Uh, so Emmett admitted finally, other people have said this before, that there were times where he closed his eyes. Once he saw the defense lineup, he knew the play. He knew what his linemen were going to do. He would close his eyes so he got in the defensive backfield just for a challenge. That's a, that's a gift. His understanding of angles is something I've never seen before. 
And Jackson has that, like Duncan did defensively, where you'll see him make a turn and a slide to a spot that you weren't really sure why, but he understood the angle and it just befuddled the offensive player because they don't, they aren't used to seeing that. Most guys take the wrong angle. Right. So Jackson's talent, that length, by the way, inside 10 feet, he's completely ambidextrous. Yeah. I didn't, I, I would forget he was a righty until I saw him shoot threes and free throws because his left hand is spectacular. He's got great touch. And, and don't forget, he also has a nice three ball. And yeah. I mean, he's good. He's shooting free throws 79%. Yeah. Right. So he's, there's no hole in the game. The one thing that you can point out, and this is, I think this is rookie stuff because let's not pretend that referees don't, don't call the game differently for rookies on defense is that he fouls a ton Yeah, because he's active, right? Like yeah. he's, he's actually defending every possession. Uh, he's at like uh 5.8 fouls per 36. Is he really that high? Yeah. So he limits himself games. right now. Like when, if you, when you watch Memphis, it probably stands out. Oh wow. Jaron's not in there. Like, I wonder but that, why, but that's not honestly, Dave, I'll tell you a little secret. That's not why, um, you're not wrong. I right. do think referees will punish rookies more than they probably should. I think it's a very, 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 very small. And I say this because I'm friends with some referees yeah, yeah. who I know and listen to our podcast. Okay. They send me text. <laughs> I don't want to piss anyone off. Yeah. So I, I think that I think it's a very small number. The reason why, in my opinion, rookies like Jackson fouls, because they're stupid. They're fr- they're rookies. They don't they don't they haven't yet figured out that the only way to get paid is to get playing time. And right. the only way you may lose playing time beyond injuries is foul trouble. So one of the things all players learn is how to fake effort because they know they're going up against elite players. And if they give it extreme effort like they did in college and high school, because those coaches are too stupid to say, don't foul. Yeah, he fouled a ton foul in college for the team, Which is stupid unless yeah. you have a twin brother playing behind him. <laughs> right. I'd, rather, I'd rather give up the two points and keep my stud on the court, right? Yeah. But coaches aren't smart enough for that typically. So when they finally learn, oh, I got to just got to pretend to be competitive. I can't probably get to it anyway. Uh, I remember when I first worked with Udonis, my as a rookie, that was my first guy. He was fouling everyone because he was so selfless. He just tried to make the play every time. And I said, UD, I, I get it. and I love you for it. And I'm sure that he loved you for it because they don't give a fuck about you. You're a rookie guy. You're not even getting guaranteed money until January 10th. Right. If you keep fouling, you'll keep sitting. And if you keep sitting, you can go play in Poland or back to France where you were. Literally, exactly. that's what I said to him. You cannot foul. Jackson hasn't been given that speech yet. Someone will be telling him that soon. Stop fucking fouling. We need you in well, the game. Well, okay. So, you know, we texted about this last night and, and I touched a nerve. Uh, but they just signed Joe uh, Noah. Yeah. Right. Who, in my opinion, having Noah and Gasol, that's. That's, those are two great mentors for a guy who is going to be great in Jaron Jackson. Um, but you still think Noah has something in the tank. Now, I, I loved his game. And I, I think injuries have, have really kind of hampered how we talk about him. Right. We make a lot, you know, like there's a lot of jokes about a guy. And, you know, unfortunately, that's just kind of the nature of it. Um, but this guy was, he was an MVP candidate. Not finished that fourth, long ago. Finished fourth yeah. in the voting, yeah. Yeah, Five years not, it's not that long ago. Yeah. And and it wasn't like he was some super athlete. It was all it was his brain that got him there, right? And then no, his body no, stopped no, no, cooperating. No, no. He he He's was a good he athlete. Was a great athlete too. He wasn't he wasn't a it's a fair point that you're making 
Dave, I, I would compare his athleticism in a way to Steph Curry's. He's not going to blow you away with his vertical jump. Right. His coordination, his agility, his versatility on the perimeter, his aggressiveness. Yes, his brain. Of course, you're right. Uh, so, so wait, finish your point, Dave, because you're, oh, what I'm just you saying. said to me last night wasn't wrong. Right. He's yeah. going so to be a great mentor for sure. My, my point is, even if he can't offer you anything on the court, which I hope he can because I love to watch him play. I mean, I love watching him facilitate at the elbows yeah. on offense. He's a yeah. great passer. Great. So people just don't talk Elite about it enough. Elite he's level. really great. But even if he can't do those things, he's worth that contract because it's another vet to work with Jaron Jackson that he can learn from, that he can be on the bench. And, oh, yeah, guess what? In in limited minutes, I'm sure Noah can contribute. It's, it's about – picking those spots where you need to have the smart guy who's going to make the right play when Gasol just can't be out there for whatever reason. He's good insurance policy is where I'm going. Yeah. But, well, not, and not just insurance policy, but also you can, I mean, and people are writing about this already. Gasol can play less minutes if right. So, so I saw Joe Keem in September, Corey Brewer's wedding. I had heard it out in LA when he was training. He looked like old Joe Keem. He, I, I, I have video of him because friends of mine, I have players that I was working with that were there and they wanted me to watch video of them playing to evaluate some things. And Joe Keem was in the game. He, he was shirtless. He looked fantastic. Flying everywhere, dunking everything, blocking every shot. Joe Keem's motor, when Joe Keem was a rookie, was a freshman at Florida. This is a great story, actually. I forgot about this. I wasn't going to say this. It just popped in there. So uh, they had a player on their team named Matt Walsh, who was a parade All-American not a McDonald's All-American. Uh, Horford, Horford was neither. Corey Brewer was a McDonald's All-American. These guys were freshmen. I was invited to come watch practice for a couple of days. A lot of NBA scouts from the gym to watch. Uh, they had a, a guard name. They called him Peeps. Anthony Roberson from Detroit. And Matt Walsh was a prospect. Uh, and David Lee was on the team. Uh, so the NBA guys, I sat with a bunch of NBA scouts. And um, Billy Donovan had an award he gave out every day. And he basically retired the name of the award uh, because Matt Walsh won it every single day. It was for just the guy that played the hardest in practice. So Matt won it every day. So coach stopped giving it to Matt. This was before I was there. And that day, Joaquin Noah won the award. And I was told not, not too long later, they had to retire for him too. Wow. Because he only went a thousand miles an hour. And uh, that's it. So as a freshman, he couldn't play a lot of minutes. In fact, I think even as a sophomore, when he was the best player in the country and they won their first national championship, he might've only, you can look it up. He might've only yeah, played 24 minutes a game. Like he wore himself out competing and that's always what he's done. Uh, he's the single best college basketball leader I ever saw in my life. I've never seen a leader like him. I watched him. I've written, I've written about this actually. I've watched, I watched him in press conferences for the Gators in the, in the final four praise walk-ons or praise scholarship players that never played and had no reason to mention them, but he always did. He would, he would mention seniors names who were getting six minutes a game. Uh, and he was the best player in college basketball that year is a sophomore year. He broke the all time record for block shots, but he was famous for his passing. <laughs> and yet he still, people forgot that he was a hell of a defensive player. And he came back to school. We all know the story. What I'm telling you is this, if he's healthy, all year, we, you know, same as Gasol. There's no one that has two fives like that. No. And, and they're so similar. They're so 
similar. Yes, Joakim, when healthy, is more athletic, faster, quicker, and all of that than Mark. But he also is brilliant protecting the rim. Brilliant. And as every bit the elite passer Gasol is out of the pinch post. Every right. bit. Every bit. Uh, other than better than Marcus Gasol, he can lead the break. Remember, he was a guard growing up. He grew really late. He was yeah. a guard. He was a point guard like Anthony Davis. He was the original Anthony Davis. Yeah. Right. So he. he so Memphis. Unfortunately, I just don't think Bickerstaff is all that creative a coach. But if if they really, I don't know what team. I don't know what the Knicks were doing, and who knows what happened there. I never. I never asked. Um, but they've got themselves an unbelievable winner, a totally selfless guy. And I'll tell you this. Uh, Omri Caspi's, I'm, I'm really close friends with him. I've helped him for many years. He asked me what I thought of Joe Keem when they signed him. And I'm like, dude, best teammate you'll ever have. And you've had a few great ones. And he loves Mike and Mark. Loves them. Awesome. Impossible not to love those guys. Yeah. I said, You're, Joe, Joe is in that same mold. Uh, but just remember this. You've already learned. And Omri's having a phenomenal season for them and getting more and more minutes. His metrics are incredible. Uh, if they would start playing him over Kyle Anderson, I think they'd be a top two team. They haven't figured that out yet. The metrics suggest that they should. But um, I said when Mark, he knows when Mark gets the ball cut. No one else on yeah. the team really passes great. They're not a great passing team. Gasol is. Yeah. I, so I told him, I texted him, do the same thing with Joaquin. And he texted me after the game last night and just said, everything you said is right about that guy. What a teammate. What energy. I listened to Garrett Temple on their postgame conference talking about uh, and, and Jackson, too, talking about what an unbelievable team of these guys in the locker room. He, I, I, You can't have a bad practice with Joakim. I, I've done workouts with many workouts with him. You you can't have a bad – he's just too energetic. And yeah. he cheers everyone on. I watched him carry mid-level European players off the court of my gym because they turned an ankle. The other guys didn't do it. The other NBA players, the other European guys, this the all-star did. Like, he's that guy. When, when I do a drill, Dave, he came here one year to work on uh, his shooting, ironically in a sense, although he's, he was always a better shooter than people realize. Just, he just never was here long enough for me to change his form, but he could drill 18-footers all night in, in warm-ups. We did a drill for All-Star Break one year. We were coming back from a shoulder injury, and uh, I had a few people that were family friends of mine to come watch him because they were Gator fans. And I said, I want you to jog to half court because we're also working on conditioning. Jog to half court, come back and get your 18-footer. We're just warming up. There's no such thing. There's no jogging in, in Joaquin's vocabulary. <laughs> he raced to the other free throw line to baseline, depending on where, and they race back. And I'm like, Joe, I'm, I'm asking to jog for a reason. I'm not trying to get you hurt. You're just coming back. He just doesn't know how to go half speed. So I think when you talk about elasticity of a team, if Joaquin can get back to playing the way I think he's capable of playing at his age now, he's not that old. And and Jackson can grow into what I think he can grow into. Like I, I think that team is going to be a disaster for someone to play in the postseason because they're going to be impossible to score on, like Utah last year. Yeah, uh, and and my one concern is that Jared Jackson won't get enough minutes at the five. But that's those are bigger picture concerns. Talking about this season, I, I think that it's not an issue. talk about another team that in the last month has been the fifth best defense again a lot of defense here are right we talking about minnesota we are talking about minnesota yeah. 
since the Jimmy Butler trade, they're nine and five. They've got a, uh, 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 the third best net rating in the league, fourth, excuse me, and the fifth best defense. This is unexpected, right? Everyone thought they couldn't win without Jimmy Butler. I mean, Jimmy Butler told Jimmy them that, they yeah. couldn't win. Yeah, this is to me. This is a clear example of addition by subtraction, but also let's not overlook the fact they added another guy that we yeah. should be talking about in the defensive player of the year yeah. conversation. Covington. Covington. Yeah, Robert Covington has been ridiculous since he got there. I mean, he's been murking guys like yeah. just just treating them like little kids. Um, but but it starts with Carl Anthony Towns. Towns' defense. This is the I think this is one of the better runs. Now Zach Harper warned me that he he usually does this in January where he has a month and he looks like he's got it figured out. So <laughs> it could be fool's gold. But I mean, I'm I'm impressed. I mean. I just looked at his box score now, 35, 12 with six block shots. Two Ridiculous. Steals. Pretty good. <laughs> 20 shots, 35. Yeah. Wiggins yeah. and Wiggins, Wiggins has been awful, but he had 26 last night. And I noticed, and five assists and six. He's been awful offensively. Yeah. But offensively, his defense I mean has that. been much better. And, and two nights or maybe three nights ago, two nights ago, uh, there's the game before last night's game. I saw him make a play against the Sixers, I want to say where he raced coast to coast, blocked a shot hard. Right. They still got the rebound and scored. But I, I thought to myself, okay, like I see that. Houston. That was against Houston. Houston, Right. It was absolutely right. I'm like, all right, I see that Andrew. Good. Uh, so talk about elasticity. Yeah. Wiggins can get so much better. Well, what I liked about that play, he had, he'd actually turned the ball over at the other end. It was his mistake. Right. And so what I love when guys, instead of doubling down on a mistake, they try to, they try to fix it. Yeah. And, and that's been an issue for him yeah. because he is kind of mistake prone. Yeah. He doesn't have a good handle at all. No. And so, yeah, I'm right there with you. I was pumped about that. When he was a rookie, uh, and I used to do a thing at ESPN where, um, I, I would compare, I would, I, people thought I was comparing a rookie to a veteran. I wasn't, I was pairing a rookie with a veteran and saying, Study this guy in the offseason. That's what I would do with my players right. is I would pick a player to study. Uh, Udonis studied Ben Wallace. How do you get to be an undrafted player that can be an elite defensive player and you can't jump like Ben? So right. we studied different things about him. I did it for everyone. Um, and w- the guy I paired Wiggins with was James Harden. And people didn't understand. And my argument was he's already the best athlete in the league. Uh, over six foot five, no question. He's right. absolutely the fastest player. He's absolutely the best jumper at that at that uh, height, and he's super long. He just can't dribble. So what he did in high school, and I saw him play in high school down here, uh, is he developed. A, he had a transition game and a, a race on the floor and a post game. That's how we learned to dominate. He just beat people up over the top. Yeah, he, he actually was a good post player, and he used his size. Yeah, yeah, he just jumped over you, and yeah. it was fine. It was good. Uh, he needed to develop a handle. And I remember even commenting in a Minnesota article once uh, I did a, I did a maybe a radio interview there where he was going to go play for team Canada in the summer. And I said, that's a big mistake for him. If I was Minnesota, I would shut him down and only work on his handle the entire summer. Uh, and if I was his manager in a sense, I would have done that. And he just, yeah, it just hasn't gotten there. But Wiggins can get better. He almost can't get worse from what he is. Uh, Sarich is a sh- can shoot. Yeah. 
And he's good. He's a, he, this is a guy that knows how to play. You're bringing him off the bench. Uh, uh, or maybe even starts eventually and Taj Gibson comes off the bench. You can figure it out. And in the postseason, you know, like the, they play with matchups. No one really knows who's going to start in the postseason. Depends on the matchup. Right. I could see Solid starting some games in the postseason. There suddenly, you know, the, the question mark to me is, is Derrick Rose. If, if this amazing story where he ends up being exonerated of whatever charges that I don't know what happened, let's, let's, for anyone's sake, you hope that they're not guilty of something. Um, if he is cleared and healthy, uh, he's one of the best stories I remember in the NBA because he well, was done. Amin said that this is the first summer that he's been healthy and actually been able to, to work on his game since the MVP campaign. Wow. And I mean, like he's like shooting like 48% or something from three, which is probably not where he's going to wind up. But if he's at 40% amazing and he can still get to the basket, um, Towns is on his way up, not down. Wiggins should be on his way up, not down. Sarge should be on his way up, not down. Uh, Jones is is playing. He's really good. Not down. A Kogi is awesome. Yeah. uh, If Towns can do what he did last night. That's just, I mean, these are all teams that are lining up to lose the Golden State probably. Sure. But uh, Golden State better be good. If, 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 if Minnesota reaches their potential and uh, Memphis reaches their potential and the Clippers may have already reached their potential, that's a different story. Right. Houston suddenly makes a, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. But Well, Houston's I, struggling. I, yeah. I, I yeah, think they're, they're on my list. The, the, to me, I think Memphis has a real shot to get to the two spot. If everyone stays healthy, uh, along with Oklahoma City, if the, those Minnesota, Oklahoma City, and Memphis all can be teams that bother Golden State, OKC, and Memphis more so just because defensively, right. and Memphis has given Golden State problems in the past. Well, and so is Minnesota, and, and right, that's true. They they so, struggle with town to to handle towns, and it, like again, yeah, Green can't guard them. Yeah, you see, and he's one one of like three guys basically. Draymond can't guard Towns, Gasol, Marcus Gasol. And he can't guard Jokic. It's basically those three guys. He can't guard Cousins either, but he's on the same team now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to worry about Cousins. But but I'm I'm excited about it, man, because yeah. two years ago, this is what we thought they were gonna be, you know, when they got Butler. Oh, they were gonna turn it on. And we hadn't seen that. And it's it's nice to see a team look motivated. I mean, we we all thought Tom Thibodeau was gonna lose his job. Yeah, he should have, I thought. I, and, I mean, he, he mismanaged that whole situation, yeah. um, but he's kind of turned it around. Now he still may wind up losing his job because of I, 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 other I stuff, not but now, not because of what he's doing on the court. I, honestly, um, I think I'm, I'm friendly with Jim Peterson from, you know, the color guy for Minnesota. Yeah. One of the nicest guys I know in the league and, and we text and stuff and, and talk on the phone. I trained his son. who's a professional player. Um, his stepson. Uh, he represents the state for me and I have a soft spot in my heart for Minnesota. Uh, um, my next door neighbors moved in in 1973, the day before we moved in 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 Florida in a little town called Seminole near St. Pete. And they were from Minneapolis and I just became a Vikings fan. Fran Tarkenton, you all know who these guys are, but I know Fran Tarkenton Tarkenton is a great quarterback and, and I love the color purple. They had the purple people people eaters, right? Right. Purple people eaters. Uh, so I've always rooted for them. It's a beautiful place to live. I love visiting there when I've gone to games. And they don't even bother hoping to be good. They just seem so like, yeah, we're going to suck again. And they don't suck anymore. 
And it, it's surprising because of the trade. I, I want them to be great. I really do. And I hope so. I hope Tom keeps his job for that reason. And then the other, the undercurrent for all this, Dave, is it seemed like LeBron goes west. Okay. The east has still got, they've got Toronto and they've got Boston. They've got Philly. But fuck that. The West is way more loaded again. Yeah. Way more loaded. Um, I, I think that some of these teams would finish second in the East. I mean, Toronto is oh, legit. Oh, yeah. Toronto's legit. Toronto's yeah. legit. Yeah. But uh, um, the West is still so loaded. It's incredible. Well, I'm glad you brought up LeBron because the Lakers in the last month, the, I think the last month has been like you, you've actually like you're yeah. seeing what these teams could be. Um, the Lakers have kind of hit a soft spot in their schedule, right? They've had some, some easier games, uh, but they beat the Spurs last night for the first time, uh, this season. They lost the previous two in close games. Spurs are falling apart. Again, this is very defense heavy podcast, but the Lakers had the third best defense in the last month. Yeah. Who would have thought that? (sighs) Yeah. You know, when, when, when Luke was at golden state, uh, he got out of the players' way, I thought, mm-hmm. and let the players do what they need to do, and he was fine. The uh, LeBron has got a great IQ. They have a team that should be a good defensive team. It, it, it starts with athleticism and length, and then you have to have know-how. Uh, I, I've always thought they'd be a six, seven, eight seed. I, I still don't know that I'm changing my mind. Yeah, I'm the same thing. Maybe five is there now. Um, I think Minnesota is legit and yeah. Memphis is legit. Not amazing. The Clippers are the one team that I don't, they, they remind me and there's a connection here of George Carl's last team in Denver that won without all stars really well. Uh, the Clippers just kind of all meshed together and they're fighting for their coach. And Lou Williams is great in the fourth quarter. And I think, is Tobias Harris only 26 years old? Uh, 25 or 26. He's super young, and, he, and he's a free agent this summer. He's so good. He's really good. And Gallo's good. really good. Yeah, Gallinari healthy has made yeah. a huge difference for them. Yeah, yeah, it's funny because Gallinari was also on that Nuggets team, right? That's the connection I made. I, and I he felt the hurt. same way about him. Right. He got hurt. At three got hurt. Lawson got hurt. He got hurt. And they were never the same uh, in the postseason with Golden State. But – uh yeah, they, they just – if there's any team that doesn't have the elasticity, I think it's them. Although their rookie is talented, but but he's not Jaron Jackson. Like he's not going to be transformed as a, as a yeah, rookie. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's going to be a good starter in the league for yeah. a long time, but I don't think he's a Hall of Fame potential top 25 of all time player like yeah, Jaron Jackson. And, and I'm with you. Jackson is – I'm telling you, I mean, he Generational is – Generational talent. That, right. Yeah. Not he's to go the, back to Jaron Jackson. He's going to be the most important player in the history of Memphis. Yeah. Um, but th- I've been really impressed with the Lakers and, and a lot of this stems from Lonzo ball is, is, you know, maybe the, he might be the best one defender in the league right now. Uh, he's playing fantastic defense. I actually, you know, people, people didn't understand what I was saying when, when leading into that draft, I said, I thought he had Kawhi Leonard type defensive playmaking potential. Like you watch Kawhi do stuff where he's not you know, he's guarding his man's not looking at the ball and he dives and gets a steal. I think, uh, I think Lonzo's got similar feel on defense. We pay so much attention to his passing on offense. And we talked about him last week with just the, the crazy, uh, inbound save, you know, saving the ball from going out of bounds. But 
on defense, he's got that same feel. And also, he's got positional uh, versatility. You know, you, yeah. Have that? you watched the video of him when he guards all five guys? In one yes. Position? I love that. that and again, this is – listen, I'm not a LeVar Ball fan. I, I think that, man, he just – you know, there's a lot of hot air there. But he taught this kid how to play basketball the right way, which is high effort, work with your teammates, uh, always try to make the right play. And so I cannot fault him for that at all. I mean, I, I can fault him for the terrible shooting uh, form and all that. But the way Lonzo Ball plays is infectious. And I think that, that him being healthy has been instrumental to their defense. The other guy who's been really good in this run is Kyle Kuzma. Kuzma, yeah. Defending on the wing. And he actually mentioned it. He talked about how he would rather guard guys around screens and, and try to stay attached then then drop back like they had him doing for a while there where they were yeah. playing him at, at the backup big. So t- adding Tyson Chandler has been huge for them because it gets Kyle, uh, Kyle Kuzma out on the wing. Having the Lakers a huge are guy fun, inside. man. Yeah, having a huge yeah. guy inside makes a big difference. Yeah, uh, I think both of those players aren't, aren't anywhere near their potential defensively yet. I think they're better on the ball than off the ball, which is very typical of young players, Jackson yep. included. Right. Um, I wouldn't begin to credit Ball's dad because his other two kids never figured it out unless well, he just right. stopped teaching after. Well, the, the oldest is to me, the oldest is always going to be the best as a, as the oldest child. Um, <laughs> I want to tell the my oldest, brothers that. Well, you have to think, here's the thing, man. It's like, there's a certain amount of entitlement that, that some younger brothers will get. Yeah. And I mean, you've probably seen this in the, in the youth circuit and stuff like that. Well, my brother did that. So, so you're following in those footsteps and they, you, you go one way or the other. You either act entitled as the younger guys, the younger ball brothers have seemed to, to be because Lonzo never acted that way. I love, I love him. Yeah. I or, or you go the other way and it's like, no, 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 I got to be competitive. I got to outdo what he did. And I'm just going to go in and be a grinder. It, it's, it's one or the other. Um, I love and, the way he plays. Uh, you know, he's learning how to play off the ball. Probably the yeah. first time in his life. And it, it's not the best place for him. Probably he's a really special passer. Um, and then the other, the other young guy, Josh Hart, LeBron, LeBron's numbers are better with Josh Hart on the court than off. Um, Josh Hart, Kuzma and Lonzo ball. The one guy we're not really talking about is Brandon Ingram. Yeah. It's hard to develop a bunch of young guys at the same time. It is. It's one reason why many years ago I suggested, uh, I didn't want, I didn't want Portland to pair Greg Oden with LaMarcus Aldridge. I thought it was just too hard to develop two bigs. It was my, it was, I was looking for a reason to draft Durant first. And that was my main reason is (laughs) don't draft two, don't have two bigs back to back years. Um, I didn't predict Oden injury, injury, anything like that. Uh, listen, I, I've been saying all along, Anthony Davis is gone. Uh, Kevin Durant's gone. The Lakers will trade every guy you just mentioned for either one of those guys, in my opinion. Yep. I think they and, will. And they should. No, and then think how much better. Imagine Golden State with all those guys. They're going to be they're going to be a top two team in the West for another seven years. That would be light years, right? That's light yeah. years kind of thinking. Yeah. Um, I, I said this the other day about about New Orleans. Now, I don't know that if, if you're New Orleans, you've got Anthony Davis, who's a top five player. You, It's hard to make that trade. No, right. it's not. No, no I, I mean, every, unless you know he's leaving. It's hard. You're not wrong for saying it. Yeah. I'm not telling you that I know something someone else will know. Sure. But Dave, let's have that conversation. And I'm okay. going to have this conversation all the time. If you're the GM, yep. 
and you sit down with Davis. I don't want his agent there. I just want Davis. Are you coming back next year, period? Uh, and if the answer is no, Anthony, we're probably going to trade you. Where do you there want you to go. be traded? Because we're not going to say this publicly. The day we trade you will be the first day we make the phone call. It happened that day. Because right. we don't want it to get out of hand and lose your value, whatever. But we're going to do what's best with our franchise. What we cannot do is go into the summer with you being unsure, thinking you're going to come, and then with absolutely your right to decide to go elsewhere, leave us high and dry. The that's Kevin not Durant. Gonna happen. So we're like, trading. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that's what OKC and Kevin Durant, that's what happened. Right. But, and, and it's what happened with Miami and LeBron. Right. LeBron was definitely coming back to Miami until he wasn't. Toronto lost Chris Bosh. Uh, 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 to me, you, you just can't take that chance. I understand why the athlete would say, I don't want to make any decisions till then. I get it. I'm not mad at you. We're going to make a decision for you. You're not the, going to be coming back here. The caveat we can't have you and, go be, and be in the desert for 10 years. The, the caveat is that no one has turned down that five-year max. So what, what does, what does, if Davis is to be traded, because I don't, I'm, I try to, I try to focus on the court. I'm no expert yeah. off the court at all. Right. Maybe I'm not on the court either, but definitely <laughs> not off the court. If he gets traded, does he not get that? He can only get four years. That's what I thought. So uh, oh, wait, no, 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 sorry. No, if he gets sorry. traded, if he gets traded, he can get a five year max, but it's not the super max. Correct. Right. 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 Yeah. So, uh, if that's, if, if indeed the supermax is what carries the weight, that's when you say to him, we need to know now. Because we want to give you the supermax. And we're going to give you the supermax and we're going to make some other deals right. to make sure you can con- contend. You're not a playoff team right now. If, you're, if there's any hesitation, you have to tell us and we will do right by you and trade you where you want to go. Yeah. And, and if it's, we think it's LA and you want to play with LeBron, great. We got to be made whole because Julius Randle, which is, Funny because he'll be teamed up with all of his old players, and but Miritich, Julius Randle, and all those other guys, you can build a hell of a team that's going to be a Final Four team. Those are talented players, and you don't got to keep them all because you can move one for a better fit. You have enough guys in one position, so move one. You already have Randle and Miritich. You don't need necessarily uh, Ingram or Kuzma if you think he's more of a four than a three or whatever. Um, get ball, get those guys. That and the, the more I to me. I would do the same thing with Durant. The Golden State Warriors, if Steph Curry's <laughs> healthy, and they get all those Lakers players and plays the Durant, they win the championship more than likely. Wow. Not, not the favorite they would be with Durant, right. but still, still the heavy favorite in my opinion. Especially if Demarcus Cousins is healthy. Um, I know you got you got to you got to get out of here. So let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap up uh, your final thought last week. I, I've listened to it like three or four times because I loved it, okay. and it made me realize that my basketball experience wasn't as special as what your son is getting. Like I didn't play with my best friends, yeah. uh, growing up. I moved a lot and you know, I like, I don't know. I also, I think I was a little bit self-centered as a younger player. You know, yeah. I was a point guard, had the ball in my hands a lot and just, I really, it, it put into perspective my basketball career when I was younger. And it's funny cause as a coach, I turned into this very egalitarian, right. You know, the ball <laughs> needs to move guy, but, uh, all right, so I'll let you uh, give your final thoughts, and then I've actually got one this week. So okay, well, I actually, do you mind if I do another uh, off no. the court kind of thing? I love it. So okay, good. So um, at my age, you're just always running the people that you've known for a long time, and because I coached here in this area for a long time, I run into a lot of my former players. 
Yesterday, for example, I spoke at an investment bank firm um, invited by one of my former players from the 80s who ended up playing professional baseball. But uh, he wanted me to come speak to the brokers there. Um, but a couple of nights ago, my son was at a game. And I know a lot of coaches listen to us. so I'm really telling it for them as much as anyone. Uh, and so I'm at, I'm at, I get the game early. My, one of my old players, Kevin Martin, was there because he comes to watch my son play with his, with his dad, his grandma. It was very cool. And so I go to sit with Kevin during the JV game, and I, I see a player of mine named Joe Archie, uh, who played for me from 87 to 89, those two years, uh, his junior, senior year. And Joe brought his 10-year-old son. Joe lived in a very tough area of St. Pete, back when St. Pete was a pretty rough area during the 80s with crack and everything. And he lived in a, in a, in a really bad area, and he was an amazing kid who played basketball and football. So I was talking to his 10-year-old son. He sat right there. Joe sat right behind me. His son was next to him, and his son told me he played football. I said, you know, your, your dad played football. He was a good player, too. And the kid kind of opened his eyes wide. I didn't really think much about it. And I said, Joe, I said, uh, now, keep in mind, you know, Joe's in his mid-40s now, right? He's not a kid. Yeah. But to me, you know, I knew him when he was 16 years old. So I said, Joe, I, I said, you had an interception. I remember your senior year you played because you didn't play your junior year. And here at St. Pete High School, the same school we were at, uh, and I was, it was at the 20-yard line or so on, on your end, the field you're defending, and I was in the bleachers with our entire team to come support you and the other guys we had that played football. And I said, I remember standing up and leading the chant, Archie, 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 when Joe Archie made the interception. And he smiled, and, and I didn't think anything of it, never thought about it again. But that night on Facebook, I posted something uh, – about what it's like to see old players or whatever. And it was, and he, he's a, just a sweet guy. I've seen him a bunch over the years because he comes to a lot of games uh, that we're at. And um, he wrote me back a message saying, I could, I could literally choke up saying this. He wrote me back, which he never really, he, just, he, he likes my comments on Facebook. He doesn't typically comment. He does on occasion. He wrote, um, he says, coach, you know, it was great seeing you, blah, blah, blah. He said, but like, I've never talked to my son about my football career. Uh, and... I'm so appreciative that you mentioned it because he asked me a lot of questions. Now, as a dad, Dave, I would tell you, your sons don't ask you a lot of questions about your life. <laughs> right. They just, they don't think about it. And it's a treat to get to talk. My, my son, where's my number? He had no idea it was my number. He just chose it for himself. I didn't even know why. He never asked me what number I wore. Uh, they just don't do that when they're, when they're young. Uh, and he said, um, he said, but he said, so that was great. He said, but I can't believe you remembered my interception and chanted my name with my teammates and reminded me, I mean, I wish I told him then, it would have probably meant something to him then too. But, but as adults and as coaches, you know, we have to be, we have to be invested in our players' lives beyond the basketball court or we're just PE teachers, which is nothing wrong with being a PE teacher, but they're not changing your life typically. We need to invest in their lives. And, and I know Joe feels like I was, and now even more so knowing that I was chanting his name for a football play. But it's, uh, it's why, to me, it's why we coach is to, is to get into their hearts that way and to have whatever impact we can have along with many other adults, hopefully, to help these guys become the best they can be. And he's turned out to be a wonderful man, a great dad, and he's got three boys and two of them are off in college and whatever. And uh, I'm glad to be a part of his life. And it was a, it was a great moment for me. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Again, it's, it's just so unique, uh, that you are in the community that you kind of yeah. grew up in and have been yeah. there and yeah, 
Um, so for me, uh, this week was actually, it was, it was really awesome. On Monday, my mom did her last chemo. Wow. Uh, blood work has all come back clean. So she's yep. cancer free. Got to ring awesome. the bell. Uh, it's a big deal. <laughs> I know that story. That's so good. You know, I'm and, the same thing. Yeah. And awesome. you know, it's the, the, this year has been like really rough for my family. We've had, you know, a couple deaths and you know, I mean, it's just been, it's been bad, right? Yeah. This was a great week. I talked to my mom that afternoon and she acted like it was no big deal. She was, she even said, she was like, uh, they, they, uh, they gave me like a really low dose this time because you know, she didn't, they were like, yeah, you're good. You're yeah. And I, and I was like, you're talking about chemo. Like there's no such thing as a low yeah. dose. She's like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. I'm going to awesome. go for a walk later. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. And then, and then the biggest thing is like, she's been on, you know, they put you on all these other medications. Yeah. And so she gets to go off of those. So, I mean, Christmas is coming up. I get to go home, see my mom. She's going to be healthy. Um, so we're all very happy about that. Not out of the woods. Cause you know, you got to follow up, but, yeah. but, uh, yeah, it was a good week. My mom got to ring the bell and, uh, you know, Jade was one of the first people when I put out there that I was going to take some time off. And I was lucky that, that it, the initial diagnosis was a little bit darker than what we got once she started chemo. Yeah. Um, so we, we had an easier road, but Jade was one of the first people to message me when I said that I was taking the time off and he was like, Hey man, well, when you're ready to come back, let me know. And that's how I'm here today is because Jade reached out. And so I'm thankful to Jade coach. This has been awesome. Yeah. I I told you on, on the phone when we talked that you were one of the people this summer that I mentioned, I just wanted to do a podcast with not even this weekly thing that we're doing. And it's been, I mean, the last couple months, have been fantastic. I'm really looking forward to, you know, where we can take this show. I think it's been great. I said to you, I said last week, it was one of the best basketball conversations of my life. And it was, um, and I didn't even know that Adam, he's so good. He's great, but I didn't know he was such a huge fan of yours. Adam and I have been having conversations like that for a couple of years. And, and this has just been so much fun. I'm glad we got to do a show. Just me and you, no mailbag, no nothing. This was awesome. So thank you for that. Uh, for the super producer, Jade Hoy, for the coach, David Thorpe. I am Dave DeFore, and we'll be back next week with more Nerd or She Wrote.